I'm going to begin with verse 1. Our text specifically is going to be verses 23 and 24. But just to get a context or a flavor of the psalm, we'll read just a few verses. Psalm 139, let's begin with verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought from afar. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Then go on down to verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any Wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the privilege of gathering together in your house to worship you. I thank you for all that's gone on in the Sunday school hour, for the beautiful music, for the tithes and offerings, for the prayers that have been lifted up to you. Father, now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I request that you'd make your word come alive. Give us ears to hear and minds to understand, and most of all, Lord, hearts to obey. Speak to those who have never publicly accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Convict them about their need to do that very thing. And Lord, as we study your word, let us apply it and grow from it. And we will leave this place knowing it's been good to be in your house, in your presence, with your people. And we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, have you ever noticed these little signs they put in public restrooms that say, employees must do what? Before going to work. They're pretty serious about that. Because it's a pretty serious thing. They tell me that most diseases that are spread could be solved by washing hands thoroughly before we do other things. They obviously have never kissed my grandkids. But we need to understand that it's very important to have clean hands and to stop the spread of disease. But we need to understand that it's even more important to have a clean heart to stop sin in its tracks. We need to understand that God is in the business of making all things new, but there still needs to be a daily cleansing of his people. Because in the day in which we live, in our day, Our greatest need is God's forgiveness and cleansing. Our greatest need is God's forgiveness and cleansing. And so how does that work out? We find that in these two verses of this psalm. The first thing I want us to notice is in verse 23 in the first part of 24. Notice David's plea. Here's David's plea. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me. David, in humility, offers this prayer up. David, a man after God's own heart, said these words. Now, what I want you to understand is he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Do you realize when you and I pray that prayer, I can guarantee that God's going to answer that prayer. When we say, search me, O God, and know my heart. 
my question came in because verse 1 said, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. And yet David prays again, search me, O God, and know my heart. Why would he do that? I think that why he did that is because he knew himself. David in this psalm talks about God's omniscience, that God knows everything. Think about it. Our God knows when we lay down, when he rises up. Our God knows our thoughts from afar. Before we speak a word that comes out of our mouth, he sees it on our tongue. He knows what we're going to say. For some of us, you ought to clamp it down a little bit quicker. But Yeah, get a witness there. Okay. See? But David, unlike many today, knew that he needed God to search his heart. That he needed a daily cleansing. I think David knew something that we have forgotten. That it is God's prerogative, God's right, if you will, to search human hearts. Only God can understand the deepness of the crevices of man's hidden things that he keeps in dark, away from everybody. God knows them. So David says, know me, O God, and search my heart. To know means to lay bare. To know means to see by experience. It's a picture of a surgeon cutting open to lay it bare so that it's visible to the naked eye. Jeremiah 17, verses 9 and 10, says it this way. The heart is deceitful above all things. Now, did you hear that? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. These people running around saying they can cure themselves and that man is basically good or full of falderall. If you don't know what falderall is, it's... <laughs> Do you understand that? See, he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Only God can reveal the hidden things in our heart. If we want to be cleansed, if we want to be useful to God, if we want to grow in Christ, if we want to be someone who God can use at any time, in any circumstances, there has to be a searching of heart. There has to be a cleansing. We need to understand that. You see, we don't know some of the hidden sins, or maybe we've turned a blind eye to them. David did not trust his own self-examination. One of the commentators, I thought, uh, penned it pretty good. He said, we don't realize that lurking in the deep recesses of our heart are the sins that Satan pins proudly on his breast. All of them. Oh, that's why it says the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful. And that's why David is calling out so that he can experience cleansing. Search me, O God, and know my heart. I think that David realized that he could deceive himself, and so he's praying, Lord, open my heart up. Lord, reveal it to me. Lord, I want continuous cleansing. That only comes if I know the things that you know about myself. In other words, are we willing to pray the same kind of prayer that's this? Are you ready? Lord, help me to see my sin as you see my sin. What it's really like to serve a God who is holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Lord, search me and know my heart. You see, if we're going to be clean in 2019, 
that has to be our prayer also. But he also goes on and he says, try me and know my anxieties. Uh, Another translation is try me and know my thoughts. Well, God knows our thoughts, but he's saying, try me, test me. I want you to hear me. If you pray for God to test you, I promise you, your prayer is going to be answered. God is going to allow testing into your life and my life. Now, David says that as a child of God because all children of God who truly want to have fellowship with him, who truly want to walk with him, who truly want to grow in Christ, are not afraid for God to do the testing. Now, did you hear that? See, God sets up tests or allows tests to come into our life, not for us to fail, but for us to succeed. He allows testing to come into our lives so that we will see our faith grow. So that the genuineness of our faith will become evident. So that as we grow, He will gain glory and He can use us in ways that we had never been used before. So it says, try me and know my thoughts. You see, we don't shrink back. Don't shrink back from allowing God to test us, to try us, to see what we're made of. He knows, but we need to know what's really there. It's sort of like if you've ever had an x-ray or an ultrasound or a CT scan or MRI. They all have basically something in common, and that is to reveal what is hidden. To make seen what we cannot see with our own eyes. And God uses that test to open it up and say, do you see this? Don't this? Doesn't this need to be taken care of? Do you think you could grow in this area? Do you think you could do away with this? Would you allow my hand and the blood of Christ to cleanse you in this in your heart and mind? If we're not praying for cleansing, then we soon discover that there's no victory in our spiritual life. There's no power for living. There's no joy in our salvation. If we're not willing to be cleansed, to admit that we are sinners in need of forgiveness, then we're fooling ourselves. And so that first step that we really have to do is to plead to God to know us. To test our hearts and minds so that we can repent. The second thing I see is David's purpose. So we have David's plea and then we have David's purpose. It says, see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I think David prayed that first of all to avoid hypocrisy. Thinking too much of himself. Being prideful. Do you know there's basically three different Uh, kinds of hypocrisy didn't know that did you there's first of all those who who you know they they think they're okay on their own and they're full of hypocrisy because if anything looks religious they don't want anything to do with it Ooh, that's bad i'm a bad guy i'm too cool to go to church I'm too cool to strut and tell people I'm a Christian. I'm, I've got it made just the way I am, and I'm comfortable, and that's hypocrisy. The second one we know as hypocrisy, you, you know that. That's those who, who uh, uh, live one way at church and another way everywhere else. 
You got that? Because the very word from the Greek means to have a mask, and we flip the mask according to where we're at. Because in the Greek plays of Paul's day, they they would all hold a mask up. There were no female actors. They were all male. And if it was a female character, they'd put the mask on. If it was a male character, they'd put a different mask on. And that's why some people do. They're, they're full of hypocrisy because they pretend to be Good when they're really not good. They cover up all their sins. They're not like the guy here that just blatantly shows them off. Ha, 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 But deep down, he's afraid of God. They're the guys who cover it up. Okay, Gary. I know those two. What's the third one? The third one is this. It's those that think they have it made, and they're so foolish they can't see their sin. They convince themselves that they're okay. That's what David's saying. I don't want to be that guy. Search me, try me, test me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Show me if there's wickedness. Now, why did David do that? You see, I think that David did that because he didn't want to be a hypocrite, but also because he really wanted continued cleansing. David had made up his mind that, God, you show me, I'll repent of it, and I'll leave it. Now, don't raise your hand. Don't say anything out loud. But a lot of us know those sins we got to deal with. But we're not willing to deal with them. And David said, for me to be clean, you show it, I'll do it. And we need to ask ourselves, is if, if, we, if, if we're in our Bible study and God says something to it, it makes us uncomfortable. You know, because have you realized that God, he don't mess around? Have you ever noticed that God tells it like it is? Even Jesus, when he walked the earth, would call people whitewashed tombs and a brood of vipers. Now, if you don't get what that means is you're dead, you stink, and you're a snake. And when we're having our Bible study, and you are having your Bible study daily. Thank you. That's when God deals with the hard things in our life. Not just the overt sins, but the sins of Omission, that were things, good things we're supposed to do that we don't do. The sins of attitude, the sins of thought, the sins of gossip, the sins of the tongue. We go on and on and on. And that's why David is saying, look, if there's any wicked way in me, lead me in the way everlasting. He said, I want not to be a hypocrite. I want to have continued cleansing. And then finally, it was for assurance. Lord, I know that you speak to me. I know I am your child because you speak to me. Listen, if God is speaking to you in Bible study and prayer time, even if it's something you don't want to hear, you say, thank the Lord. He's speaking to me. That means I'm his kid. It assures us. If God isn't speaking to you, Brother Gary's talking to God again. (laughs) Yes, I am. And you should be too. And if God isn't answering you, isn't speaking to you, you better look and see, did you walk the aisle, get a certificate and get dunked, or did you get saved? There's a difference between religion and a relationship. I know lots of people have religion. There's a lot fewer that have a relationship. Well, what are you talking about? You cannot be blood-bought and not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can have lots of religion and not be blood-bought. And David is saying, assure me, Lord, by answering these prayers. You pray these prayers, God's going to answer these prayers. 
Search me. Know me. Try me. See if there's any, any wicked way and lead me in the way everlasting. So we come to the third point. These are the how-tos. God's how-tos. In other words, how to be cleansed on a daily basis. Now, if you're taking notes, there's quite a few, so get ready. We're going to go through as many as we can. Point A, act like what you are in Christ. Act like who you are in Christ would be a better way to say it. Act like who you are in Christ. The first reference, 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. 1 Corinthians 6, you know, if I'd get there, I'd have it. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 says this. Now, Paul is talking against some things. He's talking about what uh, is unrighteous. And he says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And good Baptist people say, Amen! I'm not guilty of those sins. I'll say, Amen! We harp on those sins. But we don't read on. And such were some of you. (gasps) Such were some of them. Some of us, but you were washed, hallelujah, but you were sanctified, glory, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. In other words, you want daily cleansing? Don't do the world's way. Do Christ's way. Put on the new man. Put off the old man with all of his sins. And he listed a bunch of them right there. And you can find them all through the New Testament where he says, put on the new man. Take off the old man. Act like who you are in Jesus. Saved. Washed. Forgiven. Redeemed. Glorified in God's eyes. Woo! You better get excited about that. Or you're still a dirty old Pete. I didn't say feet either. So that's the first one. The second one is this. Run from temptation. Run from temptation. Paul is speaking to Timothy. And he says, but you, O man of God, flee these things. Because he just listed the love of money. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith. Love, patience, gentleness, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life, which you've been called, and have a good confession in front of many men. Second Timothy 2.22 talks about it. He says, flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. You want to be cleansed? Flee temptation. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says it this way. Flee the very appearance of evil. That means run from it. Well, it might be okay for me to do that. I don't have that problem. It might be, but if it looks bad, you leave it alone. Those boys used to tell. Remember where they turned around at? You told me many times. Where were they turned around, Brother Ronnie? Down at the liquor store. Brother Ronnie said, don't you turn around there. Because all they was doing, they couldn't get across to go to school. So they'd go into the liquor store and turn around and get out on the right road. He said, quit that. It looks bad. That's what flee 
means. Flee temptation. Flee the appearance of evil. Don't be in places you're not supposed to be. Was it Larry? <laughs> I knew it was either him or James Gilliland. So. <laughs> but you, you understand what I'm saying. You know, I've said this before. If I was in there at the liquor store buying some beer and y'all came in, first of all, I'd wonder what you was there. I wouldn't have to worry about you telling I was there. But if you drove by and saw me coming out of there, you would think bad things. Okay? And, and you should, because I'm where I'm not supposed to be. Flee temptation. Don't be where you're not supposed to be. You know, a lot of sins wouldn't take place if we just weren't where we're supposed to be. Do you remember David and Bathsheba? Do you remember that story? Do you remember what happened? Some of them don't know the story. You know? He sh- well, not only should he run, but if you read the first part of that, it said in the time of year when kings go out to battle, Israel left, but David stayed behind. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. And tragedy struck. Flee the temptation. Let's go on. I'm going to beat that to death. Okay. The third thing. Be honest with yourself. No one's above temptation. Now, now did you hear that? Be honest. No one's above temptation. Pride goes before the fall. James chapter 4 uh, reminds us uh, that <clears throat> of that truth. If I can find it. James chapter 4 verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You see, don't walk around like a poppycock. A poppycock pops off saying, I don't, I'm not tempted. That's no big deal. Blah, 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 blah. Be honest. Everyone is tempted in different ways. Don't be proud. Realize it. Admit it. Ask God to show you, and he will. Uh, the fourth thing, remember those who have morally failed. Now, I'm not going to read it, but that 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 6 through 9, and Paul lists uh, some Old Testament figures that failed. Okay, Now, why are you remembering those who failed? Because all through the New Testament, Paul reminds us, these were an example for us not to go that direction. We all think of those leaders we know who have failed. And we shouldn't judge them. We shouldn't condemn them. They failed. That's between them and God. We should love them back into the kingdom if they're Christians. We should witness to them if they're not. But here's the point. They serve as an example for Christians. Don't do that. Don't think you're strong enough not to do that. No one is. Let's go on. I think we should take a spiritual checkup every single day. Now, there's a long passage of Scripture in the book of Colossians, beginning in chapter 3, verse 1. I can't read it all, but Paul gives us some commands here. and He he talks about the way Christians act, okay? And it's sort of a spiritual checkup. He says, if then you were raised with Jesus Christ. In other words, if you're a believer, you've been raised. That's what baptism pictures. You're raised to walk in newness of life. Seek those things. This is a command. Seek those things which are above. Then he goes on, set your mind on things that are above. Another command. And he says, therefore put to death your members which are on the earth. And he lists those sins. In verse 8 he says, but now you yourselves are put off all these things. And he lists some more sins. And he says, put on the new man. 
And finally, in Colossians 3.17, he says this, your spiritual checkup. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He also lists in that passage that if you have anything against anyone, forgive them as Christ forgave you. Love. I gave you that whole big passage. Why? Because if you want a spiritual checkup every, every day or every week, you need to read Colossians 3, beginning with verse 1, and see, am I doing these things? Am I not doing the things I'm not supposed to be doing? It's the how-tos. <clears throat> Two more things. One, guard your mind by guarding your eyes. Guard your mind by guarding your eyes. Matthew 5, 28. That's that famous passage where Jesus said, You have heard of old that thou shalt not commit adultery. I say to you, if you look at a woman in lust, you've committed adultery. And then he goes on and talks about if your eye offends you, throw it away. It's better to go in not seen with one eye uh, than to be cast into eternal flame. You guard your mind by guarding your eyes. Men, I want you to perk up and look up here. More than drug abuse, did you hear me? More than drug abuse, more men are addicted to pornography in our day than ever before because it's too easy. If you lie to yourself, you put it up on your computer. If you lie to yourself, you put it up on your phone. If you lie to yourself, you, you watch... Ladies who dress like they shouldn't dress. That's the only thing I'm going to say to you ladies. Why? Because men are visual. But you guard your mind by guarding your eyes. I should say that some ladies as much counseling as I've done recently with some of this problem. But you see, Jesus says, don't do it. If you guard your eyes, it doesn't go into your mind. If it doesn't go into your mind, it's not going into your heart. Or vice versa, because he says, out of the heart, issues all the issues of life. But what you've done, you've taken that and put it all the way through and filed it in your heart. Don't do that. If you want a spiritual checkup, guard your eyes and therefore guard your mind. Okay? Now, I'm going to say something a little crude. And I don't mean it to be, but I'm tired of this excuse. So if you use this excuse, I hope God just whoops you good. Don't tell me it don't matter where you get your appetite as long as you go home and be fed. That is baloney. They'll catch that later. I'm not going to elaborate. We've got children present. You guard your eyes and guard your heart and guard your minds, men and women. Then you don't have to worry about that filthy pollution taking over. Do you realize that pornography releases endorphins in your mind? It rewires, literally rewires your brain till you get hooked on that, that, that endorphin rush just like a drug. And then you've got to have it every day. Did, did you hear me? That's a scientific proof. They've wired them and let them watch it and watch the change in the brain. You're hooked. You're a drug addict and don't even know it. Don't do that. Jesus will clean us if we ask him to. The last thing is this. We're going to get out of here on time. Hallelujah. Somebody can say amen to that. Okay. Remember your witness. I want you to say that one with me. Remember your witness. Now, what am I talking about? Well, we know that in Acts 1-8, Jesus said, You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the other ends of the earth. We know in Matthew uh, chapter 28 that he says, I have authority over all things. Go ye therefore into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. That's our witness. Here's what that really means. In Colossians chapter 1, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, 
He says this. This mystery in verse 26 has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope and glory. Him we preach. When I say remember your witness, we've said it before, and I want you to realize this. Somebody is always watching you. You may not know it, but somebody's taking notice. Somebody looks up to you. Somebody wonders what you have that they need. And if you're not watching your witness, it's gone. When you're keeping yourself pure by examining yourself and asking God for cleansing and working on putting on the new man rather than the old man, then suddenly you have a witness that everybody likes. The biggest complaint about the church today is it's not relevant. You know what that means? They're not living Christianity. Gandhi, the great Hindu uh, nonviolence protester, lived with a British Christian family for a couple of years while he went to college. Of that experience, he wrote, I find the tenets of Christianity to be very appealing. Here's a Hindu. They're very appealing if I could only find someone who lived them. Whoa, somebody was watching somebody's witness and it didn't add up. In your daily cleansing, remember, somebody is watching you. Remember your witness. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What in the world do you do with a sermon like this? Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. That is a Christian prayer for cleansing. To be clean in 2019. Now hear me. If you need to come forward today. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to think that you're doing some kind of gross immoral sin. You might just be committing afresh to God for the new year. To be clean so you can be used. And some of you need to come in rededication and recommitment and do that. Some don't, can't come in rededication and recommitment because you've never bowed your heart and life to Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And you need to come be saved. You know you haven't. You know you've had chances. You know people have told you. You know you've rejected. And God has given you one more chance. Come and let me cleanse and change your heart and mind. Maybe you need to join the church through baptism or statement or letter. Maybe you need to come and surrender. Maybe you need to come and pray for other folks that have fallen by the wayside. That need to be renewed. I don't know, but God does. And after I pray, we're going to stand. Brother Ronnie's going to lead us a hymn of invitation. And you need to come. Father God, this is your time. It's holy time because you're here. Lead us to do your will. And glorify Jesus in doing it. In Christ's name, amen.